Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning and welcome to Market View. Joining me now, back in the hot seat, Ryan Huang. Good morning. Good morning, Michelle. How was your long weekend? Pretty good, pretty good. So I had to take some time off to volunteer my kids' primary school. So all good. Okay. The volunteering parent is back at work. Good to see you, Ryan. Corporate earnings season is here, both at home and in the U.S. And we have several high-profile companies to look at today. Their performance could give us hints about the broader performance of the global economy, including how businesses are coping with inflation, as well as the likelihood of recession happening later in the year. I'm going to start with a Singapore stalwart, SIA Engineering. Now, its profits are down more than 20%. Air travel is up, Ryan. We know that nearly back to pre-pandemic levels. So you think all this would be good for SIA's business. After all, it maintains Singapore Airlines and Scoot's fleets. I am talking about Mm. SIA Engineering here. So if air travel is up, why are SIA Engineering's profits down. Yeah, that's a good point. You might expect SIA Engineering to benefit from what's going on right now. Everyone's jumping back on planes and of course more planes means more business. So if you look at the business front of things, revenue for the second half rose 43.4% to over $433 million. So there was an increase in flight activities, of course driving demand for maintenance and overhaul services. For the full year, revenue was up over 40%. But then here is where the other part of the equation comes in, which is the profit side. So profit was down 20.4% to $33.9 million for the six months ended March 31st. For the year, net profit was down 1.8% to $66.4 million. So really right at the center of it is what they are citing was a progressive step down of government wage support. So that basically is base effects from um, the one-off measures, plus higher manpower and material costs. So a few headwinds here for SIA Engineering to get through in that year. So SIA Engineering's revenue was up. That's a good sign. But its labor and material costs rose as well. So it seems inflation took a bite out of the company's profits. What do you make of this? Oh, I imagine with the measures phasing out, it was just going to be a matter of time that they would reflect it in the numbers. Um, So maybe with that out of the way, it will be brighter days ahead. And plus the higher manpower material costs, hopefully with the uptick in revenue, it Mm. can to some degree offset that. And hopefully if the manpower costs, uh, it does plateau at some point. Uh, It does, of course, come off the back of a resurgence and ramp up in demand. So you have to also uh, take that into account. They had to ramp up a lot of the manpower and capacity. So that comes at a cost. Maybe to some extent, it could be uh, a one-off in that sense. So in the coming quarters, that could moderate or taper in terms of expenses. So hopefully uh, that will come to pass. All right, let's take a look at equity. Shares of SIA Engineering trending lower. They are down more than 11% over the past three months. Let's move next to our locally headquartered tech giant C-Limited. The owner of the e-commerce platform Shopee and gaming unit Garena doesn't report earnings until next week, but it is already making headlines with news that it's giving employees a pay increase. What's the latest here? Yeah, so it's good news for Mm. C. Um, These are the guys behind Shopee. 
and Garena. So 5% pay rise for everybody, almost everybody uh, who's been working at Shopee or rather C Limited. So anyone who's joined C Limited before March 31st will get a salary bump. And according to the report, it's 5%. So in a memo that he sent out to staff, he talked about how C is or has reached self-sufficiency because his cash balance is now growing rather than shrinking every quarter. So not too long ago, you might remember, he had to lay off thousands of people. I believe it was uh, 3,500 at the last count. And this is um, something that maybe could be seeing C turn around. So you've got a few things going for C. You've got a cash pile growing and perhaps because of those job cuts, things are coming down on the marketing expenses front. In fact, if you look at the past quarter, the quarter they reported for March, marketing expenses did come down. So there was one factor that helped C report its first ever quarterly net profit then. And this is after 14 years since its founding. So that startup finally reaching profitability. So good news for C. Actually, I have another indicator for C. It's, mm. you know, every time you've got a sale and they've got all these ads around Shopee, yeah. you can kind of tell how well they're doing by the celebrity they use. Yeah. <laughs> you might remember Ronaldo back in the day. He's not anywhere near Shopee these days. So you can kind of tell how that's tapered off. That's good. The billboard effect. I like that. C's business has gone through a rough patch over the past couple of years. 18 months ago, C's stock was trading above 300 US dollars per share. It fell as low as $40, but it's now bounced back to nearly 90. So that's a big improvement, but still well off its 2021 highs. All right. Ryan, is the pay increase that Forrest Lee is giving his workers, do you think that this is a sign that C's business is really stabilized? Or does he simply have to pay to retain talent and keep up with inflation? Oh, that is a very good question because you've got that into consideration. You look at the headlines, everyone's trying to fight for talent. Uh, no surprises if Shopee or C is also going through that same issue. Uh, you also have to take into account that they had to cut a lot of jobs as well. So in some sense, we can say the business has stabilized on the front, cutting the bleeding when it comes to expenses. So they've downsized operations in many, what they call non-core markets, especially in Latin America. So they have effectively streamlined their business a bit more, divesting what they did not need and deprioritizing a lot of the non-core initiatives. So it does right size a ship for better days ahead. But of course, you do have these um, talent issues as well. But I don't think that is as big an issue for for C because they cut talent not too long ago. So they probably had an excess of talent recently. Um, so on that front, they probably won't be facing those expense issues on the labor front. But just a 5% pay rise is a bit of a catch up for them. Yeah. All right. Let's zoom from local to global now. I want to shift gears and turn to a US listed stock, the big data company Palantir. It grossed 525 million US dollars during the first quarter of the year, 18% more than a year ago, better than expected, in fact. So, what is powering Palantir's business? Yeah, Palantir is one of those 
controversial companies because their client base is pretty much governments around the world. So they do data analytics for governments and it looks like these governments had a lot of data to crunch. So US commercial customer count, for example, that was up 50% year on year, growing from 103 customers to 155. That's a reflection of the pickup in customers. And I think in terms of data, you have a lot of them trying to figure out how to use AI. So many of the um, customers they have have been trying to leverage Pantheon's platform to crunch many of these large language models based on their own data sets. So a lot of, I guess, computer work going on with Palantir, the demand picking up with ChatGPT and everyone jumping on the AI bandwagon testing and trying to unroll roll out new products. So that's been helping Palantir. Yeah, shares of Palantir up more than 20% in after-hours trade. Now, one US company that is not faring as well is PayPal. The payment giant's business hit new highs during the pandemic, but it is struggling now. Why is that, Ryan? Yeah, PayPal is to some degree a victim of competition mm. and we've seen that competition really picking up everyone's trying to get a slice of the e-commerce market from the likes of Apple to the likes of all these startups we've been seeing trying to do this buy now pay later thing so PayPal is seeing intense competition and if you look at what else is playing out in the landscape it's the high interest rate environment those interest rate um, backdrop is just keeping people on their toes, tightening their purse strings and discouraging them from buying as much as before, at least the higher margin items. So that is seeing PayPal affected to some degree. People are not clicking on the PayPal button as much. Except me, apparently. Shares of PayPal trading down more than 5% in after-hours action, despite my best efforts. Brian, <laughs> if we take a step back and we take a look at these results, some good, some bad. I mean, what kind of lessons can we garner so far? Yeah, like you really outlined very succinctly, some good, some bad <laughs> is a mixed bag. And it all comes down, I think, to expectations. So to some degree, expectations were lowered quite a lot going into this quarter because of the huge list of worries. You've got inflation, you've got the Fed raising rates, mm. you've got the Ukraine wars going on, you've got a banking sector turmoil, you've got a recession around the corner. The list can go on for quite some time and to some degree that has helped the earnings expectations come down, at least the bar being lowered for many of them. So that's why we did see some earnings beats for many of these companies. On the other hand, some did not paint a very rosy picture for the same reasons, a long list of reasons. Uh, they could not pass on some of their higher costs. And I think this is um, a reflection as well. What type of product people are buying these days? Mm. So the larger ticket items that is seeing some headwinds. People are shying away from those large ticket items. So for some of these retailers, they have not been able to pass on the markup or the higher costs. And to some degree as well, the other trend that's been playing out in this earnings season is how many people have been talking about AI. If you don't talk about AI, it seems you will be disappointing your investors. And if you talk about AI, then that gives you some degree of revenue expectation, potential at least for investors to look forward to. So it's again painting the story of expectations, uh, what to look out for. Uh, and also if you look at um, the takeaways from the latest earnings season, mm. 
Um, I think a lot of it had to do with tech earnings being stronger than expected. And if you look at the Nasdaq Composite, that was up 18% year-to-date. The FANG songs are up over 34%. So that is a reflection of how, in a sense, bullish investors are after all the layoffs, the job cuts, and all the issues that tech had to deal with in the past year. It seems like they are getting back onto the tech bandwagon, especially the big tech stocks, as a, a sign of confidence that they will do well. Tech is back. Tech is hot again. Let's turn to another big story now that is generating a lot of market speculation. I am talking about the looming U.S. debt ceiling crisis. The statutory limit on U.S. borrowing is set to expire perhaps as early as June the 1st unless the U.S. Congress uh, acts to raise it. Failure to do so could have catastrophic consequences both for the U.S. economy and for markets, according to market analysts and government officials as well. But the Democrats and the Republicans seem very far from reaching any sort of deal. U.S. President Joe Biden will meet with Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy later today to see if they can break this impasse. We've been down this road several times before, Ryan. What are a couple of ways that this standoff might end? Yeah, it's time to dust off the deal or no deal music. <laughs> you can play this for the rest of the month because that is the deadline they have, uh, at least according to the Treasury Department, before the U.S. goes into default if there is no deal. So it's the familiar story between the Democrats and the Republicans. You've got to raise the debt ceiling, otherwise the U.S. government can't borrow to pay its obligations. And this includes civil servants, soldiers, keeping the parks open, a lot of stuff that will keep the economy going. And if the economy is not going, it then will mean what Janet Yellen calls it, a catastrophe and people losing confidence in the US. The US dollar going down, markets going down. And that can trigger ripple effects across many things like other markets as well could be affected. And also the prospects of a recession goes up. Uh, so back to that disagreement. So the Republicans want some spending cuts to be agreed to. They want a deal, effectively, mm. before they cast their vote for the debt ceiling to be raised. Uh, Joe Biden wants to raise it, of course, but he is resisting agreeing to the Republicans' demands as Democrats typically do. So they are at an impasse. So it's typically at the last minute before we see some inkling of light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe it's back to that again. But we have to bear in mind as well, there were some times they did not reach a deal on time. And I believe this was a few years ago where we saw parks being closed, people being not paid, yeah. and they had to roll out some emergency measures to partially pay some people. Uh, so we could be going down that road, but I think they could be mindful of the current bank drop, which is what we're seeing right now. Mm. The banking turmoil, the recession pain, and of course, the elections next year. All that will play a part into whether a deal can be done. So one possible solution is Democrats and Republicans agree to a short-term increase in the debt limit, perhaps until September when the next budget negotiations take place. So a lot still in the air. It is worth noting that even if a last-minute deal is reached, there could be some negative ramifications for markets. Take a look back to 2011, for example. Uh, deal reach. 
two days before that deadline. Soon afterwards, Standard & Poor's downgraded the U.S. credit rating, which led to a market sell-off. All right, I want to bring the conversation back to today. Slightly brighter note as well. The Nasdaq has officially exited a bear market. It finished up about 0.2% overnight. That gives it a 20% rise from its lows at the beginning of the year. I know you don't have a crystal ball, Ryan, but if we look back at history and suss out the patterns, what could happen next? (laughs) It could swing either way because when you talk about the Nasdaq exiting the bear market, with 0.2%, it does not lend a lot of confidence because it's just barely crawling over the finishing line, so to speak. And if you look at what history played out, it has actually slumped back into bear market after exiting the bear market. So if you cast your mind back to August 15, uh, it got out of the bear market then and then dropped 20% from that high on October 11th. So mm-hmm. that is a space of two months before it went back into a uh, bear market, which it just exited again. Uh, so that is something to keep in mind. And of course, um, the latest bear market is the longest in nearly 10 plus years, 143 trading days. Uh, so back to that point again, I can't rule out things going back down again. You've got so many issues to be resolved. The debt ceiling... You've got interest rates that could just cause some jitters. Mm. So there are many reasons for tech stocks not to do well. And I would not rule out, in that sense, history repeating itself for the bear market to uh, reappear. All right, time for corporate news. It's up or down style. Let's, let's open the books, Ryan, and start with Baidu. All right, Baidu, the Chinese search engine giant. I am going with an up. Mm. And this is around AI, but it is not about chatbots. It's about a new phone. So it's coming out of a new phone, a smart gadget effectively, Mm -hmm. to complement its broad ecosystem of products to help sell, at least help leverage its um, smart stuff like um, effectively it's Ernie bot that it's going to be coming out with and also other products and just create a bigger lock-in for Baidu. Yeah, even though China's mobile market is pretty crowded, I think this new phone by Baidu, it's a new smartphone. It's going to use AI and also offer speakers and displays for uh, the home as well. I think this new offering could be an up for Baidu. So I'll join you there. What about HSBC? All right, HSBC is going to be in up for me and they have reached a deal to buy out their China fund partner. So effectively to operate in China, you need a partner. Mm -hmm. And this was um, a China fund management joint venture. And based on reports, uh, you have HSBC signing an agreement with Shanxi Trust to buy out their 51% stake in the joint holding. So subject to approval from regulators and for now based on reports so we'll see if this uh, manifests HSBC reportedly buying out as you say Jintrust Fund Management that's its China Fund Management partner I think this is going to help the ban- uh, bank expand in China should be an up for HSBC let's look at KKR they're an investment management company alright not so great news so I'm going to go down for KKR so it's down 26% on their earnings in the first quarter so 
Not great, but it did beat expectations, so not as bad. And this is due to a sharp drop in their private equity portfolio and lower transaction fees. Yeah, apparently a drought in deal-making for KKR, seeing earnings fall 26% in the first quarter of the year. So I join you there. It is a down for KKR. Bangkok's equity markets set. Yeah, I am going with... Up. Mm. So elections are coming for Thailand and this um, on May the 14th. And ahead of that, we've got a lot of promises, as you expect from a lot of different parties, stimulus measures effectively, cash handouts, anything that will make life better, minimum wage hikes. So that means you've got more cash in your pocket, you can spend more and maybe the stock market could benefit. People buying stocks in expectations of businesses businesses doing well. So, and up for the set index, which actually is Asia's worst performing market so far this year. Indeed, but a number of observers believe it is set for that election boost. So, I'm giving Thai stocks a cautious up. Chinese banking stocks, Ryan. All right, I am going with up. And because the optimism behind Mm. Chinese banking stocks is growing, And this is coming through with the CSI 300 Financials Index jumping for a fifth session yesterday to its highest level since April 2022. So that is more than one year. And they have increased market cap to the tune of $166 billion. So the likes of China Citic Bank, BOC, they all hit their 10% daily limit for the first time since July 2015. So that is how strong the retail frenzy is right now. Really an up for Chinese banking stocks. Look at that buying interest and the share prices of Bank of China, China Citic Bank Group and others. They've been soaring. So definitely an up there for Chinese banking stocks. Final word goes to a company called K9Jets.com. Have you ever wanted to take a, a pet on a long-haul flight with you, Ryan? Hmm, I would love to, but can you... I think there are some regulations going on, especially for SQ. So Yeah, I mean, I've never seen that happen. Every time I travel, I have wanted to bring my pooch with me uh, when I did have a couple of them actually at home. But, um, you know... In in the US, if you have this thing called an emotional support sort of certificate, that mm. might be possible for some flights and some animals. But now there is a new company, caninejets.com, and it specializes in, well, long-haul flights for pet owners. So if you, you want your pet to be on that plane with you, and I'm talking about really big dogs. I'm looking at a photo of a two-year-old Rhodesian Ridgeback. That's huge, almost pony size. Uh, need, need a lot of coaxing to get on board. You now have a new service to do that, caninejets.com. Guess how much will set you back from uh, US to Europe? <laughs> from the US to <laughs> Europe, I imagine it's going to be a pretty penny. You have to really love your dog. Hey, exactly. It's five figures, $10,000 uh, to get your dog on that private jet. But hey, for some pet owners, uh, this is uh, security money. From yeah, and I think it's a better option than the other way, which is through cargo? the cargo, <laughs> where you have sometimes questionable ventilation, temperatures, and you know, the handling that you don't know what they'll go through. Yeah. So maybe worth it if you want a peace of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure for a lot of pet owners, this is music to their ears. You heard it here. K9Jets.com. That is to the company to check out if you want to bring your dog or your cat on a plane. This is Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks for your company.
Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.